It is the first Sunday in Lent, or at least it was, <laughs> when Barry preached. Um, we started a new series called Unhurried. And the sermon was The Right Tempo. The Right Tempo. We heard a little bit from Matthew. And if you want to hear that Well, we, bit, we read from the Gospel of Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been weird. <laughs> We heard from Matthew. Uh, sure, fine. Um, makes sense. So if you want to listen to the scripture and uh, listen to the message, go ahead and do that. If not, you can look for the timestamp in the show notes and catch us for some reflection with special guest Matthew from the Gospels. <laughs> Who we like to call Maddie. <laughs> Well, here we are for another episode of It Simply Isn't Done. This time we are in the Lenten series in a series called Unhurried. Unhurried. Week three of Lent. Week three. Mm-hmm. And the text was the, the uh, incredible story of Mary and Martha and Jesus and company. But the one found in Luke about hospitality, not the one with the dead brother coming to life. So they really, they do have a lot of bangers in scripture, Martha and Mary. They do. <laughs> I really just wanted to see how you'd react to that. So it's Luke 10, 38 through 42. If you have heard the scripture, and if you had heard, uh, have heard, you have heard it said, <laughs> Barry's preaching, you are welcome to skip on ahead to the reflection. Just check the marker in the notes, and you can go directly there. That video was something, wasn't it? It's like those Canadians have a real problem up there. (laughs) So um, we're going to think about this unplugging and plugging in, particularly as a way of tuning out so that we can tune in to um, things that might be more important to us not the least of which might just be our God. Uh, I want to take a pause and a breath, deep breath. And trust. And trust. Pause, breathe, and trust. Oh, Jesus, be with us in this time. Amen. I was looking for a language comparison between our text from Luke for today and the story of Mary and Martha as it portrayed at the, uh, at the death of her brother, their brother, Lazarus, in the Gospel of John. So Google has become the first tool for such queries, right? And you got to be plugged in to, to do that, and I did. Um, I went to Google, and the first thing to come up when I searched Mary and Martha, it could have been worse, uh, was www.maryandmartha.com. And the lead line of the homepage says, welcome home, colon, where style meets function and the message matters. It's an online shopping experience. targeting female consumers. 
It goes on to say, our heritage leads us to create products that combine quality and style with the timeless truth of Scripture. Hmm. Well, okay. It goes on, imagine creating your own schedule, earning unlimited income and free products while you share inspirational products with your friends and followers. And I say, aha, aha. The website tags the Mary and Martha of Scripture in the simplest ways. It says, over 2,000 years ago, two women, Mary and Martha, welcomed guests into their home. They loved, they served, and encouraged all. Their greatest guest, Jesus, gathered with them in their home on more than one occasion, period, end of quote. And no. And to be fair to the website and to the business, frankly, there's a lot of stuff not connected to the Scripture in the way the church has understood it for lo these 2,000 years. And the way Jesus is recorded in the scene here in Luke, well, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing. Most of us would likely agree that we understand Jesus to be rather fair-minded kind of human being, right? And then we read this very short story tucked in between the parable of the Good Samaritan and Jesus' teaching on how to pray, from which we get the foundation of the Lord's Prayer there in chapter 11. So we get a lengthy parable on social holiness, minimally understood as treating all people as neighbor, and we get a visit with friends where Jesus presumes upon the hospitality of women, which was normative, and then chastises a sister for working while the other sister sits and listens to the teacher. And then we get a teaching on personal piety, and you know it, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and so forth. One might appropriately ask of our text, who was being neighborly? Jesus and his traveling cohort appear to be friends who regularly take advantage of the neighborly hospitality of the sisters Mary and Martha. It would be customary for that time that the women do everything connected to that hospitality. Prepare the home, the food, see to the comfort of the guests, provide for guests to wash ritually upon entrance to the home, to wash again before the meal and again before departing for the day or evening. And the women would clean up everything. Sitting with the men and listening to the rabbi expound on scriptures and the world would not, not have been normative in that world. And so Mary does an unusual thing in sitting in the position of a disciple, a student, and not continuing the work of hospitality with her sister. There's nothing in the text that tells us how she got there. Was she just mingling with friends and copped a squat there at the feet of Jesus, presuming she was welcome? Was she invited by Jesus to stay and listen? We don't know. We're left to guess, and so the text does not comment on Mary being there at all. Martha welcomes everybody into the home, and Mary sits at Jesus' feet. No apparent drama. But then 
Martha, distracted by many things, is a little more than a little ticked at Mary and tells Jesus that he simply does not care that Mary has left her all alone to do the work. Jesus, tell her to help me, Martha says. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There's only one thing needed. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. So this affirmation of women sitting and learning, of women not being distracted by women's work, would all be rather lovely if, if it were accompanied by Jesus affirming Martha's doing the traditional hospitality thing, and if Jesus challenged the the legitimacy of that traditional thing by inviting Martha to sit and join her sister. And better yet, if Jesus turned to the cohort of men and said, you know, we're all going to join together finishing the preparation and serving the meal, and we'll all join in the cleanup so that now we can all be in glad company as co-learners in the faith. Wouldn't that have been something? But it's not what we get. This would have been consistent with the neighborliness of the Good Samaritan teaching and the affirmation of the spiritual growth implied in the prayer teaching. It would have been consistent with the overall viewpoint Luke paints of Jesus as a kind of radical transformer of traditions that exclude people. Rather than this being about Mary tuning in to Jesus' male-dominated world for a time, it would have been also about the men tuning in to share responsibilities with women, amen? The scripture, when taken as a part of a longer tradition of transformational teaching from the Good Samaritan to the Lord's Prayer, could, it could have offered an opportunity to tune out of traditions that exclude. Traditions um, <clears throat> that divide based on gender roles and responsibilities, and then to tune in to spaces where all share responsibility for all, where neighbor means investing care enough in each other to share the yokes of responsibility we talked about in the first week of Lent, which seems a while ago, but it was two weeks ago. But alas, that's not exactly what we get, right? The preaching of this text voiced largely by a male-dominated population of clergy for low these 2,000 years centers on Jesus being this liberal guy who affirms Mary. The problem is, we have left Martha alone in the kitchen and in no way challenged the societal norms that kept her there, and in the process shamed her for even daring to suggest that hospitality should be shared and that giving help to each other would actually be a good thing. There are so many ways to read these verses, and I'm sure we'll have lots of feedback. I'm sure you had lots of feedback in chapel chat. Uh, and we're going to have more as Jess and I talk this afternoon in this week's It Simply Isn't Dud podcast cheap promotional moment, we can interpret Jesus' rather harsh words to Martha in a myriad of ways, and being Christians, we are rather presupposed, aren't we, to defend our Lord and Savior. However, as I consider the top return of my Google query, 
I fear that the ancient exclusionary role of hospitality giver passed on from generation to generation to generation to women has been taken on and branded as a holy role God generally and Jesus particularly gifts to women. We gather on this third Sunday in Lent, this, this uh, first Sunday in March, around a table that has been prepared for us. It's a table that is not our table. It is Christ's table. And Christ calls on all to be present here together. The preparation, the serving, the cleanup, all have been done as an effort of Christ's bearers, as a gift of love without regard to anything other than our common humanity, responding to the call of Christ to come, to come, to tune in together without distraction in this time of being unified in the Christ. And so we are called to pause and we are called to breathe and ultimately, we are called to trust. Amen. Welcome back. <laughs> Such a long time it's been. Well, Barry, this was... Uh, I'm, I'm excited for this little combo. What did you want us to get from I'm your so message? I'm so excited. With the Pointer Sisters, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there, there was uh, there was a lot. There were many rabbit holes I could have gone down, but um, I kind of I, I took it um, in the direction that I felt it really needed to go, which was which was to consider this as a rather archaic view of um, really of of how gender is seen as a as a motivator for uh, what people do within a within a whatever culture a subgroup in this case in a household and uh, and also to name what Jesus does and does not do to to benefit our coming to a place where we can be healthier in our gender roles mm-hmm. I'm here for it um, were you so so you all listening um, might know this, might not, because we talk about it every once in a while, but we, uh, in our staff meeting, we take a break and, and we have a portion of our staff meeting where we go through the scripture and we reflect on particular questions or however the scripture strikes us. Um, you were sitting at a table at that moment with all women. I'm curious if... if at all and how that conversation (laughs) impacted your thinking yeah well I mean we all and you all in particular talked about the difficulties in the text um, from the vantage point of talked about is nice I ranted but yes (laughs) that was generous of you Barry sorry please carry on (laughs) well I think you you know you talked about it afterwards I didn't feel like it was anger driven particularly I felt like it was an appropriate rant um, because and as I said in the in the message you know we we have a we have a right to expect more of Jesus because we tend to see him as excuse me a righteous human mm-hmm. um, and this scene doesn't seem terribly righteous or just uh, it's confusing 
mm-hmm. um, for us as, as 21st century humans trying to to follow the Christ um, because it it doesn't make sense. And as I looked at it harder, it really didn't make sense in the context of Luke. It didn't make sense in the yeah. context of where it's placed between the Good Samaritan and the teaching on um, the Lord's Prayer. So, yeah, so I, um, I, I needed to say, sure, this is, a, this is a really archaic piece of teaching that needs to not drive our thinking about the relationship between men and women. This is not, it's not mm-hmm. appropriate for, I mean, the one hand, you get a glimmer of Jesus being open with Mary uh, because she's there in a, in, a, in a learning position, which would have been highly unusual in the day. Uh, but then kind of wrecks that by dissing Martha. Um, so yeah, I mean it was it's a, it's a complicated it's a complicated mess. Yeah, when I I want to talk a little bit about the content, but then I want to talk a little bit with you about the context of how this script how scripture and, and Luke and the Gospels were compiled, just to give people kind of like how did this come to be, um, but the content it really just struck me as like incredibly frustrating. And there's, there's another point in scripture where, um, you know, Jesus is confronted by a woman for the mistake that he makes in the Syrophoenician woman. Um, when she says, Hey, you know, and she kind of bests him and then he, he recounts it. Um, but in this, he does not. And we can just kind of use our, our brains or understanding to be like, so wait, uh, women are supposed to do all the hospitality work and sit at Jesus' feet to learn, and men are just supposed to be receivers of hospitality and sit at Jesus' feet and learn. Um, and it's pretty obvious to see the inequity in that sure. kind of scenario. Um, and and it's kind of enraging because, like you mentioned, like this scripture has mostly been held, interpreted by, given as here are all the things women need to be. You you have to learn from the feet of the Lord and take care of me. <laughs> and man, that kind of, uh, I'm not going to, I'm going to say language that won't get this an explicit warning. <laughs> yeah. Teed me off. I was just like, Jesus, like, ah, come on, dude. And if you were to take it out of context, out of gender, like, yes, I understand the lesson. We can't do that, though. No. We can't do that. It is a politicized contextual text wherein we can't ignore those realities. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean I mean a funny a funny not haha but funny strange uh, direction that this took was was googling Mary and Martha. And, oh my gosh, yeah. And and having this website come up which is really um a way for women, explicitly women, um, to to make money in a kind of a pyramid. Mm-hmm. I was going to say scheme. That's judgmental. I don't know that it's a scheme, but at, le- at least it's a. Uh, it's a multi-level it's marketing. A multi- yes, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a nice way to it's put it. Factual. Multi-level marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I did I did one of those in college. Yeah. yeah I was not at <laughs> I was I was not at a very high multi-level. You were at a low level. Um, and I had friends in low places. <laughs> I count myself among them. 
Well, yeah, and that is just there because even that, right? I, I loved that example. I love that you Googled that, and that's like the first thing you found, and you shared that because even that's like women, you're not allowed to participate in the workforce because you must entirely take on the domestic sphere and your family needs income in addition to whatever we assume has to be a husband, right? Because there's no there's no queer people in any of this scenario of this MLM with Mary and Martha. You also need to make income. You also need to have a job while you are taking care of every single aspect of your family. And, you know, here's well, the way Mary to do it. Mary and Martha has a way of doing that. Yeah. Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, um, we haven't strayed as far away from that as I think we might like. Um, so let's, just so people kind of can get uh, get a picture, we talk about this a lot, but let's talk a little bit about how Luke was compiled and put together and what we can kind of make of that. put together guy. You think so? Do you think he was a physician? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I what I think is probably irrelevant. I think there's certainly a long, a long tradition, narrative tradition of Luke being a, a, a physician, but it's it's not terribly evident in the book internally to the book. Yeah, well, and what we know about Luke is that Luke is actually part one um, of two parts. The other part is Acts. They were written together. Um, they were commissioned for a particular purpose, and generally. Um, Luke really focuses on the gospel expanding to all beyond kind of the Jewish world. However, it's not like Luke was present with Jesus. This was not written until minimally 50 years after Jesus died. Yes. So there's, uh, we have to kind of take that into consideration. For some of us, when we have our red letter Bibles, we're like, oh, someone, this is a direct quote from what Jesus said. And in all likelihood, um, it's what was passed down, and it was kind of how folks understood it, and they pulled out the important parts. And there were different sources that, you can't see my air quotes, but air quotes Luke, (laughs) wrote and compiled together in kind of a narrative. Um, We think they like, they try to go chronological, you know, but we don't always know. It it usually ends with the death and resurrection. (laughs) And it starts with the birth. So we assume there was some chronology uh, to be told. Um, but I think that's important for folks to know. Like, it's not as if someone was right there writing down everything Jesus was saying at the time. Yes. <laughs> the, the man was too sun- stunned to speak. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a challenge piece of um, work in the interpretation of scripture, right? Because we we tend to find ourselves getting lost in the position of having either having to defend scripture Mm -hmm. or to defend where we are in culture in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. Neither one of those are are particularly helpful uh, hermeneutical postures to take. Um, and a hermeneutic is how you read the Bible. Yeah. It's your, what you bring and how you understand it. Hermeneutical, not to be confused with homiletical, which is something that Jess and I are going to learn about in a few weeks at the <laughs> Festival of Homiletics, <laughs> which is preaching. What a nerdy occasion that will be. Yes. Mm-hmm. All the H words. Yeah. So I, I say that just to say, like, 
the purpose is not, uh, or perhaps to your point, we miss the point when we feel like we have to defend Jesus or Jesus needs our defense. Um, you know, like we kind of take on a lot in that regard instead of like, what, what is God say? What is God saying to us now? Like, what does this say about the people of God and who God is and having a posture of openness knowing that we can, um, we can hold on to this dearly, but we don't have to be clenching it so tight that it, you know, we can't loosen up a little bit and realize that um, God speaks to us through these ancient manuscripts that were written decades after Jesus was even around. And like, that's miraculous in and of itself. And so how can we engage with the text in a way um, where, uh, like, you know, y'all, Barry did something that in a lot of churches, folks would have said, like, that is heresy, saying that Jesus was kind of a jerk. Right. I mean, that you didn't say that exactly, but you were pretty close. You were, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and like we can be in a space where your faith leaders say, hey, we can think about this critically. Um, Yeah, we can we can engage with this text in ways uh, that aren't just uh, straight reverence without any critical thinking. Like Jesus wasn't trying to be like a cult leader, you know. (laughs) And my understanding. <laughs> and, and neither are we. And so when we say things that seem absurd to you, you're in as, 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 a, as grand as a position as we are to come back and say, hey, I, want, <laughs> I have something to say about that. Mm-hmm. Um, in, as much as, in as much as we struggle with understanding the scripture, I think we struggle likewise about understanding our own culture and how things come to be uh, claimed as true within our own culture. Um, so the, the dialogue between our culture and scripture is a healthy dialogue, and, and that's pretty much what I was trying to get going um, in the message today. Yeah, like how do we, how can we approach this, and what can we, um, what can we really take from this moving us forward? And I had someone come up to me that said, hey, I really feel like Martha was vindicated. Like something about that always sat a little bit wrong with me. And and today really made me consider this in a new way. And if nothing else, um, you know, uh, Barry's better at this than I am. If I'm provocative, it's just because I'm being me. Usually, <laughs> Barry will sometimes hone it and do that a little more intentionally. And that's part of our gig. You know, sometimes we're up there and we feel really called to be prophetic or really challenge or have folks consider something in a new way. Um, And that can confuse folks because some of us came from traditions where you had to agree with and believe everything your faith leader said. And we don't hold that to be true. Um, It is not threatening to either of us if you do not believe the exact same things we do. That's good and healthy, and it's good to have conversation about that because we're also um, learning and growing you know, uh, it's kind of one of those things that when you, when you start to learn a little bit about theology and scripture, you realize that you will always, always be a novice. And so it's nice to have those moments where people have to think, huh, that's interesting. Well, how do I feel about that? What do I think about that? And, and we'd much rather have you all critically think uh, about the scripture and kind of where you feel God nudging you than just agree with everything we say. And at the end of the day, whether we agree or not is relatively irrelevant. We are not called to be one in agreement. We are called to be one in spirit. Um, 
Listen, y'all, oh, Barry's saying only, something if really only poignant. There was, if only there was a camera in this room right and now. And I am literally falling out of this chair and knocking things all over. So I'm sorry. Barry was saying something poignant and wonderful. Um, we are not called to be to the... <laughs> To be one of the same thinking. called to be one on a stool. <laughs> I can't even be one sitting on a stool, so. Woo. Yeah, I think we, 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 we are misguided if we think that um, we need to be in agreement as Christian community. I mean, the church has never been in agreement as Christian community. Uh, and frankly, it's rather boring uh, for us to be in a place where we see things in the same way. But. Um, when we claim our unity in the spirit, we're able to have conversations with each other where we disagree, but still claim our unity in Christ. And I think too, when we engage in life in a way that is unhurried, you have more time to be open and to consider, right? So if you're I have found myself when I'm rushing, I'm much more closed off and I'm much more focused on whatever's next. And if someone were to confront me with an idea, then I'm like, nah, no, I, uh, you know, as a, I know, noises, <laughs> guttural noises, <laughs> you know, instead of really stopping and considering like, oh, huh, I'm curious about that. Or I'm not sure I'm there, but I'd love uh, to hear more about why you're there and that kind of thing. So I think there's something to engaging with one another in a way that is yeah gentle unhurried yeah what uh what was your favorite rabbit hole you wanted to go down but didn't oh so i knew this was communion sunday and uh, i really kept it pretty well disciplined you um, did in terms of length yeah and um yeah, I really wanted to spend time doing some of the, the comparisons uh, between John and Luke and the stories of, of Mary and Martha and um, and the roles that they that the two women played in the two stories. Um, mm. Kind of comparing and contrasting. How is the one not like the other? Um, which is always rather fun for me. Um, which just tells you that I'm really not very much fun. What you think is a good time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It would have been fun to have the time to have a couple of voices preaching this. Mm. Uh, It would have been fun for the two of us to to do this and, you know, um, yeah. So I kept thinking about that. After our, our staff meeting on Monday, I kept going back to things that I heard you and the others say that uh, I, thought, I thought were important and I didn't want to lose them. And at the same time, I didn't want them to be, I didn't want to put take as, I did not want to put your words in my voice um, because they were, they were not. And I, I trust I did not do that. Um, I think folks might have heard it very different, like, you know. Sometimes I found that when I, when a woman says something about uh, perceived feminist issues, like folks will just be like, okay. So I'm I'm grateful um, because you are uh, in a, in agreement and understanding in that, and I think folks, other folks, were able to hear that maybe a little bit differently because of your characterization. Maybe. Maybe. 
We'll probably find out. Maybe. Uh huh. If I get brought up on heresy charges, we'll we'll know. Well, that's just another Monday. <laughs> it's another manic Monday. Oh my gosh, yeah. y'all! You got anything else for it? I don't. For us? I mean, yeah, there were lots of places that I that I wanted to play around with language and. But I think for this text, one of the fascinating pieces is to explore what it doesn't say. It's a very short, it is a very short text with a lot of drama going on without a lot of words. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we will next week gather again it will be it'll already be lent four yes yeah um i'll be preaching the next two weeks and we've got another gospel passage and then ecclesiastes good times who doesn't like a little ecclesiastes mm-hmm. and the choir is doing turn 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 for that <gasps> are they really that's fun like from the birds well it's a choral arrangement of their but we're doing guitar and piano so fun. All right. Well, uh, if you want to hear that, um, is that on St. Patrick's Day? St. Patrick's Day. We're going to have. It's going to be. It's going to be a banger. We're going to have bagpipes. We're going to have drums. And we're going to have uh, the choir singing Turn, With Turn, a piano Turn. And a 12 string guitar. Check that out. Um, but, the, you know, next week will be great, too. <laughs> Less bagpipes, still great. We would love, uh, yeah, to hear what you all are thinking about this and to consider um, you know, just giving us some feedback on the podcast generally. We'd love to hear from you. And also, uh, there's a group of us that meet at 10 o'clock in the chapel. And we have chapel chat and we talk about um, the service from the week before. And we often bring in things. We talked themes we brought in on the podcast. So if you're looking for a community to process that with, you are welcome to join us in the chapel at 10 a.m. on Sundays. Mm-hmm.